Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everybody, welcome to On The Grid. Richard Crow here in the big chair this week. I'm filling in for Tony Shebeki. He's got a couple of weeks off and we'll recap a massive week in Aussie motorsport. Look forward to what is to come and tackle all the issues as they play out and I hope my shoulders are broad enough to carry the load that Tony bears week in, week out. We'll take this one segment at a time and see how this goes. A little later on in the show, we'll be joined by Fox Sports pit lane guru Rihanna Crean and Will Davison, who also patrolled the lane in Townsville last weekend for a chat about how both have had crazy roller coasters of a year, like everyone else, but have both bounced back really strong. Will's got a new drive too for Bathurst, and we'll definitely talk about that and all the pressing issues like sponsor boards in the E Series. Really fascinating stuff. It's a good chat. Look forward to that. Uh, afterwards, Mark and Dale join me for a chat to tackle all the big issues, including this one. Where was Lex Kelly? He was gone. The star of Darwin's supercar coverage. The five-year-old son of Rick was MIA in Townsville. And we, the punters, want answers. And we will ask the questions and hopefully give some answers about what's to come with young Lex, the superstar of Supercars Broadcasting, a bit later on in the show. All that's to come. Settle in, relax, enjoy the ride. And first things first, we kick off week 927,000 of 2020 with all the latest in the news. Leading the news and the championship, Scott McLaughlin bounced back from a tough weekend to claim the final race of the NTI Townsville Super Sprint on Sunday, retaining a 123-point lead at the top of the Supercars Drivers' Championship. Second place, Jamie Winkup piled the pressure on McLaughlin with wins in the event's first two races, as the Ford driver could only manage seventh and then sixth. But McLaughlin ensured no further damage was done with a final race victory, finishing four seconds ahead of Cameron Waters. But this has been an impressive fight back and it started in qualifying. Out of the final corner now for Scott McLaughlin, Shell V Power Racing. He's had to battle this weekend and he's clawed his way back to the top for a race victory in race number 21. NTI, Townsville Super Sprint. Waters in second place, 4.1 seconds behind and one and three quarter seconds behind in third is Jamie Whitcup on screen. Supercars have announced the final three events of its 2020 championship with Bathurst to host the final race of the season for just the second time in more than two decades. South Australia's The Bend Motorsport Park will host back-to-back weekends in late September before the super cheap auto Bathurst 1000 closes out the year on October 18. The iconic race will take place a week later than previously scheduled to allow teams more time to properly prepare. Despite the late call-up to host the last two sprint rounds of the season, the Benz Sam Shahin says the venue will be ready on time. Well, uh, this is the South Australian thing, isn't it? You know, we work well under pressure. We have demonstrated our ability to put on great events in South Australia, and this is no different. The OTR Super Sprints are back, and not just one. We were all but buried, you know, up till three or four weeks ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, we kept chipping away at it and uh, nothing like perseverance. Uh, surprised, yes, uh, we had serious competition from both Queensland and uh, Sydney uh, to host those events. 
but uh, we've come up uh, with the goods here and uh, we're looking forward to the whole state putting on a proud event. And the topic of Formula One racing at the South Australian venue has also been raised. Shaheen saying the circuit would be in a position to step up should Melbourne be unable to host the 2021 Australian Grand Prix. Well, I believe so. I mean, um, uh, 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 you've got to have a lot of things go right to put on a Formula One event or any event for that matter. You, you need you need the venue, you need the infrastructure, you need the personnel, the expertise. And we have all of those here, right here at the bend. And if we can put on an OTR Super Sprint three years in a row to the level that we have and win 2019 International Motorsport Facility of the Year, International Motorsport Facility, not National, not South Australian Motorsport Facility of the Year, then I think we can put on a Formula One event. Two-time Bathurst champion Will Davison will make his super cheap Auto Bathurst 1000 return at Mount Panorama this October, teaming up with Cameron Waters and Tickford Racing. Davison's former team, 23 Red Racing, were forced to pull the pin on their program earlier this year after a loss of sponsorship, forcing Davison out of the championship. Winner of the great race in 2009 and 2016, Davison was buzzing to seal a drive with Tickford Racing. Yeah, really excited. Um, you know, crazy year for so many and it's been hard to be on the sidelines, but uh, to know I've got such a, a great you know, partner and, and team um, for the big one at Bathurst is uh, is pretty huge for me. Something I'm counting down the days now um, for, and uh, you know, I know Cam well. Obviously, know everyone here at Tickford incredibly well. So, uh, yeah, couldn't be more excited to uh, do my part in, in helping uh, Cam and, and the team get a big result at Bathurst. Yeah, obviously, Will has been part of Tickford for a few years. Um, he gets our cars. He knows how to drive them and all the all the little things inside the cockpit. So. Um, that's going to help us quite a lot when we get to Bathurst. Um, obviously, there's no co-drive sessions before um, the 1000 as well, which will make it a bit more challenging. But um, obviously, Will's been driving at the start of the year, and he gets gets our cars and everything, so it'll um, it'll be much easier once we get up there. Yeah, it was obviously quite a natural um, progression. Um, obviously, I had a fair bit going on during the year, but um, you know it was pretty easy to, to come to an arrangement with, with Tim and, and everyone here because I, I love the team here. Um, you know, obviously, we started the year so strong, um, so I'll be able to settle into the car very quickly with you know no real test days planned at all, and the way this year is unfolding, um, just to be able to settle into a familiar environment, um, familiar car, um, and hopefully hit the ground running. Um, you know, will put us in really good stead. So, it uh, I think it's a win-win for all of us, and uh, yeah, got a lot of time for Cam, he's a great young driver, really enjoyed um, teaming up with him last year um, you know, we pushed each other really hard as as competitors, but uh, you know we, we really work well together as teammates so now to be uh, his co-driver is, uh, yeah, is, is going to be different for me, but I'm certainly, certainly excited to uh, do what I can. That audio, with thanks to Tickford Racing and Will will join on the grid later in the program. Lewis Hamilton has moved to within two races of Michael Schumacher's Formula One wins record, leading from pole to claim his 89th career victory at the Belgian Grand Prix on Sunday night. Hamilton finished ahead of teammate Valtteri Bottas and leads Max Verstappen by 47 points overall, heading into two back-to-back races in Italy. After his fifth win in seven races this season, a sombre Hamilton paid tribute to actor Chadwick Bosman, who passed away earlier this week. Daniel Ricciardo claimed his second fourth place result of the season at Spa, setting the fastest lap on the final lap of the race. Belgium proved to be a successful event for Renault, Ricciardo's teammate Esteban Ocon finishing one place behind in fifth. Ricciardo moved up from 10th to 8th in the Drivers' Championship. 
Meanwhile, Ferrari team principal Mattia Binotto stated he was left disappointed and angry by a horror Grand Prix that saw his team's cars finish 13th and 14th. Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc struggled in qualifying and failed to make an impact at Spa, with both Ferraris finishing outside the points for the first time since 2010. Bernardo couldn't pinpoint the reason for the failure, believing there's more to it than their much-discussed underwhelming power units. The FIA are discussing how a wheel broke loose as Antonio Giovinazzi crashed out of the Belgian Grand Prix. The Italian's right rear wheel detached as he crashed on lap 10 at Spa, which then hit George Russell's Williams and forced him also out of the race. Both drivers escaped the incident unscathed, but FIA race director Michael Massey declared the incident was a concern. To two wheels now and concerns are growing amongst MotoGP manufacturers that KTM are working on a super engine after the team was granted an exemption from the manufacturer's freeze ahead of 2021. All teams agreed to the freeze as a cost-saving measure post the COVID-19 pandemic, but KTM were granted permission after raising concerns over the durability of their engines. It's a decision that's not gone down well with other teams, especially given KTM riders start at both the Czech and Styrian Grand Prix. Honda will be ineligible for MotoGP concessions in 2021, even if their miserable 2020 season continues, with the team failing to podium across five races for the first time since 1982. The compacted MotoGP season means concessions can only be lost rather than gained in 2020. Honda were dealt a significant blow when Marc Marquez broke his arm in Spain, the world champion expected to miss another two months of racing. Finally, to IndyCar, and Australian Will Power has finished third, the second of two IndyCar races held on the Gateway Oval in St Louis, and now sits eighth overall after nine races this year. Power's Team Penske teammate Joseph Newgarden finished first, reducing the gap to series leader Scott Dixon to a still large 96 points. Dixon, meanwhile, scored his 50th career IndyCar win on the Saturday at Gateway and now sits just too shy of Mario Andretti on the all-time US Open Wheel winners list. IndyCar will now take a month's break, returning for the Harvest Grand Prix at Indianapolis on October 2. That's the news. Let's get on the grid with our first guests. All right, let's get into the first segment of the show, and we've got a couple of superstar guests joining us in just a minute. But before that, we need to welcome for the first time this week the great Dale Rogers, who's back on the grid. G'day, Dale. Hey, Krause. Hi, mate. Mate, I'm well. Uh, nice weekend on the couch for you, I imagine? Uh, yes, plenty of motorsport. Uh, we can go about oh, a kilometre from the house and then come back and watch more motorsport. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Lucky there's plenty on. And our two first guests, yes, two of them at the same time, were in the thick of it. And on rival TV stations as well, which was a unique experience, we are joined by Rihanna Crane, who was on Fox Sports in the pit lane. And subbing in on Channel 10 was Will Davison. G'day, guys. Welcome to the show. Hey, Krause. Hello, Krause. Hey, Dale. Thanks for having us. Um, Very, very unique experience for us over the weekend. First for everything, that's for sure. And Will and I just having to... uh, Battle it out on the microphones. I was, yeah. I was backing myself. I was trying to get some last-minute advice. She was giving me absolute peanuts. She was giving me nothing. What's been the feedback like so far, Ree? What's What's been the report card on Will? Look, I knew right from the get-go that Will was always going to be very, very good at television. I think everyone knows Will is very good in front of the camera does enjoy a conversation about motorsports. Yeah, he was never, motorsport. <laughs> was, was never going to struggle in that department. And um, 
from all reports from the guys at 10, he excelled. Um, I actually haven't been able to see any of the coverage myself, but um, I'm sure when I get home, it will have been recorded and I'll be able to get uh, <laughs> be able to enjoy that. But um, yeah, I, there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to excel in that in that role over the weekend. I'm not good at multitasking though. I tell you, having people talking in one ear and yeah microphone that's linked to a certain camera and oh, it was all a bit too much for me it's a bit more technical than i thought i'll tell you what I've, I've got a lot more respect for the uh, tv world now now the big question was when you were both going for a story or a, or a scoop in the pit lane who rugby tackled who to get there first well the, the good thing is that fox always gets priority over the drivers <laughs> yeah. there was there was one um one point in particular that we were both actually in the Penrite garage. I was interviewing Anton and Will was interviewing Dave at exactly the same time. So we were either side of the garages, both doing an interview. And I thought, this is, um, this is quite a unique experience for us as a married couple to both be in a garage doing an interview at the same time with, with both drivers. And I thought that's, you know, like sitting back and reflecting, it's, it's actually a pretty special thing to, to be in this situation. I mean, I know Will wants to be driving um, and, you know, that, that is obviously in the forefront of his mind and, and for both of us. But, you know, you've got to be able to enjoy these experiences that we have. And that was, a, that was actually pretty special. We need someone out there in internet land to grab those two <laughs> interviews and just sort of split screen them or something like that. It's like pit lane inception going on with the two of you. I love yeah, exactly. it. Um, well, I know, I know you want to race and round and said the same thing, obviously, but is this, is this something you can see yourself doing down the road, transition into TV commentary? In some way, shape or form, I'd love to. Um, not because I'll need a job. I mean, we all need work, but it's more because I, I love motorsport. I absolutely love it. And uh, I'd never be a, uh, you know, a bitter washed up racer wanting to be out there. You know, when you hang up the helmet, um, it's something, no, I'd, I'd love to, to give back, give my opinion, uh, right or wrong, try and paint the picture for, for what it's like for people at home on the couch because I feel really privileged that I've been able to do what I do and I love talking about it and, uh, you know, explaining that it's not as simple as it often looks um, on the television screen. You know, there's so much to our awesome sport and I love being able to give a bit of a, uh, you know, in a, in a description of what it's like from a driver's point of view. The, uh, the, the bizarre year's been well documented in, on a number of fronts, but uh, I'm curious to know whether you went up to car 19 and, uh, uh, and told Big Bro how to, uh, how to drive it properly, how to get around the track and how to engineer it and uh, all that. How, how are you seeing him going? Well, the TV actual compound, or not the compound, but the garage where audio and all that was set up was dead set next to Team Sydney. So <laughs> I did spend a lot of time in with Alex. I mean, I haven't been to a racetrack since Albert Park. Uh, and, you know, he's been fairly thrown in the deep end this year. And, um, and yeah, I was just enjoying being there and, and helping him where I could. You know, he was certainly been leaning on me um, wherever he can. And he's, he's all ears to see where I can help him. And, uh, yeah, I was always in the garage before he got in the car. And even during some of the races, I'd just uh, pop my head in and see how he was going or, you know, discuss, you know, what they were up to with strategy and whatnot with, uh, with Webby and, um, you know, so it was, um, yeah, it was good. Alex is pretty calm at the moment. Um, you know, he's under no illusions as to his situation, but he loves driving. He wants to do well, but, um, you know, they've certainly got a little bit of work to do, but, um, he's really calm. He doesn't, doesn't, doesn't crack it in any way. And what's, you know, a little bit frustrating for him at the moment being, 
probably end of the grid he doesn't want to be. But um, no, he's just enjoying himself and I think bringing a fair bit to the, the table there with that team, with his experience. Now, Will, I'm going to ask you about your enduro news, which is terrific. But I want to ask Rihanna about it first because it must be like living with a bear with a sore head with a race car driver who loses his ride midway through a season and having to deal with that. Um, but in all seriousness, really challenging year for the two of you. But just to, to get some certainty, you're back on the TV, Will's back in a drive. It almost feels like things are repairing themselves as the year goes on. Yeah, it's certainly been one of the most challenging years for both of us in many aspects, obviously professionally and personally, um, with lots of different things happening for us. And, and it certainly has felt like at times you're drowning and, and you're really, really trying to, um, you know, keep your head above water. But, you know, it's just trying to maintain positivity and trying to just do things that, you know, you know, be optimistic about what the future holds and, and, and not drop your shoulders for both of us um, and do things that, you know, make us feel good and surround ourselves with people that, you know, support us and love us and, and people that we enjoy being around. Um, and that's what sort of kept us going throughout the year. Um, I know lots of people are in difficult situations and, you know, that's, I think, as well is what keeps us going because we know that certainly there's, you know, we're not the only people that have had difficult times this year. And, you know, it's, I think a lot of people lean on us for positivity as well and look to us, you know, think that, you know, they've had a tough, tough few things thrown at them, but they're, they're still maintaining hope and they're still like getting out there and getting things done. And, and I sort of feel a sense of responsibility in, in a way that, um, particularly through what we do on social media, that it is important for us to keep, you know, keep motivated and keep positive in what we're doing. Um, and for Will, you know, I've just been so disappointed to see him on the sidelines, knowing you know what this what this year could have could have been for him um, with the team. But yeah, just getting that getting that announcement out this week um, that he'll be with Cam at Bathurst. Um, Cam at the moment, you know, him and that car have been certainly one of the the cars to watch, in, particularly in the last couple of weeks. Their speed has been really really good. Um, Cam has, has been driving exceptionally well. And I think together at Bathurst, they're, they're going to be the, one of, you know, the cars to watch. Um, given the limited amount of testing that's, you know, even if there is, you know, I, I don't think there will be any testing in the lead up to Bathurst. Um, they will jumped in the car. He fits straight in, <laughs> but, you know, in terms of their size and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just hopefully that this is a bit of a turning point um, for us in terms of, you know, what, the next few months is going to look like and hopefully next year a bit of normality will start to you know to be for us in in what who knows <laughs> is going to look like he couldn't get me out yesterday i was just sitting in there <laughs> car noises to myself like a little kid back, back in a race suit. Yeah. <laughs> hey mate you, you're in a shot of winning a bathurst again in that car with that co-driver and that team who are as ray said in great form i, I mean this is Perfect scenario. If, you, if you're going to lose your drive and you go back to being an enduro driver for a year, this is probably the seat you want. Yeah, now, now that it's coming to that time, um, yeah, it's, it's nice. I can just focus on that. Like, I've done all I can um, this year. Um, you know, a lot of circumstances out of my control have gone down. But, you know, I think, you know, as Ree touched on, there were moments where it was a bit overwhelming, you know, and if you think too far ahead into the unknowns and you start making up, drawing your own conclusions about your future and, you know, but then you just waste energy. Um, so, you know, bit by bit, things are starting to take shape. Um, you know, I've, it's been a fascinating five, six months. I hope one day when things, you know, 
you know, end up well. I can look back on it as a, and reflect on it as a, a period that made me stronger, you know, and when your back's against the wall, you can sink or swim. And um, we're certainly not, yeah, not sorted yet, but, um, you know, I'm feeling optimistic about the future. Um, and now I can just focus on Bathurst. Like you said, I was putting Bathurst sort of secondary, to be honest, because mm. um, without, uh, without uh, how do I say it, sounding cocky, you know, to be honest, I, I sort of was comfortable. I was always going to have a good Bathurst um, drive, but, um, you know, I was so focused on still being in the series full time because um, mm. I wasn't quite ready to, you know, be a co-driver yet, but it was an unexpected position. And, you know, now I think it's all worked out for the best um, continuity within Tickford, a car I know well, um, and, uh, you know, remaining within, you know, the Ford fold who have been really good to me, um, you know, it, it makes sense. And now we can just go and have some fun. I'll do everything I can for the team. Um, certainly, you know, I've got some great memories in car six. You know, I had a pole position there. I've, I've led the race on many occasions in car six. Probably two of the Bathurst, 2011 and 12, where I was leading by eight, nine seconds um, both those years. And we had things go against us. Um, so I've won other years in nine and 16. But um, probably 11 and 12 were years where I actually thought we were, you know, I was probably really in terms of car speed, um, you know, in the best position. So, uh, yeah, be nice to uh, help Cam get a big result. And for me, of course, uh, nothing beats that top step at that mountain. It's just the, the greatest thing. With, uh, with both of you, or certainly seeing the cars in, in Darwin back on deck there and with you in Townsville, um, with the Tickford cars, with Cam particularly, it seems that they are just about knocking on the door of the Triple Eight and DJ Penske cars. Um, you, you would have a chance to have a good look at these cars at Townsville and obviously you will again this weekend. Do you think from where you perhaps started the year that that, that gap is now quite small between those top three turns? Yes. I mean, certainly on the weekend, um, you know, I, I, I analyse it very closely. I, I understand the sport and know how you can be a hero one weekend, maybe drop the ball the next weekend. And uh, bit by bit, you can see their consistency is getting better. I, I'd still say... Um, you know, over every circuit, are they are they quite with those two cars? Maybe not, but certainly on the weekend. I mean, Cam had legitimate speed mm. from the first lap he turned around there, and it was really impressive to watch. It wasn't like one lap speed, but didn't have the tie life. Uh, he was doing it really comfortably. So, to be honest, I mean, I haven't been a part of the team the last three or four months, but I can only speak for myself. And you know, I topped the test at Tail and Bend at the start of the year. I went to Adelaide. Um, I qualified third Saturday. Sunday was the first time I should have been a genuine pole um, in the shootout. I, I missed the last corner, but I was two tenths clear middle sector um, and qualified third again. But I mean, me um, went to the Grand Prix, qualified third both races in. So I was feeling really good about the changes this year within our team uh, with the controlled damper and you know a few of the the elements that are becoming more and more controlled within the category. I thought it, it really was boding well for a great year. And um, I can't really speak for where they've been in the last few months, um, a bit bit up and down between their cars, but certainly from Cam's perspective now, he he sits right where I expected us as a team to be this year. And I certainly think the level, you know, you only have to look on the weekend, just how close, particularly that top 10 is, uh, you know, in qualifying, the level right now is is exceptional, you know, mm. and and everyone's pushing, everyone's lifting, and and we, you know, you only have to see 
the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest little errors. And I don't even want to call them errors because I, I, they're not they're not really errors. You know, like Scott in in qualifying or, or Jamie. It, it's I, f- I feel disrespectful calling them errors because they're having to push each other. They're pushing each other so far at the moment that they're, they're excellence. But to keep, to go that that next level, you know, you're, it's it's like the level that everyone's operating is is incredibly high and it's incredibly tight. So you've got to go another level again, you know, to, to, to get that little bit more, like two hundredths, I think it was between between the the you know first and second in qualifying and for can, you know, I mean, what, what's that? Hold your breath for you know? yeah, yeah, just it's but exceptional. It- so you know. They, everyone's pushing everyone's pushing mm. everyone to go another level and and there's not really much to find when you, when we're talking like that so it's it's pretty it's pretty pretty incredible at the moment particularly when you're thinking they've been on the road now for that amount of time spares in the car at the moment is is like the pantry's pretty bare like there's not much left you know it's we're calling it the 20 meter rule because cars we know like they they are showroom perfection and at mm. the moment you look at them from 20 meters away because they're not quite showroom perfection <laughs> at the moment because we they the got the teams just don't have have you know what they normally have and you know so for what they are putting on track at the moment i think they need to be absolutely commended yeah oh 100 the 20 meter rule is what i tell people about my project 944 <laughs> as well it's a look at it after your eyes and 20 meters and it looks amazing um your point about quality is is bang on Ray, and, and i think it was quality too on the sunday we had five cars covered by less than a tenth yeah 2.8k lap with curbs and yeah. pumps and undulations in a, a really tricky little circuit so just phenomenally competitive hey one question i wanted to ask the two of you and you've got a unique insight and i'm not asking you to dish the dirt or anything but you're mo- both mates with jamie Winkup, and at the start of the season there was there was talk around, and I found it crazy that oh, it could be his last year, and who knows what Jamie's going to do. And then when COVID started, it was like, oh well, COVID might prolong his career. But like the goat, not that he went anywhere, is back and back in a big way, and reinforced that on the weekend with two really imperious drives uh, in race nineteen and twenty. I mean, you don't get slower overnight but i mean he is still at the very peak of his powers isn't he he's been threatening to retire for about 10 years hasn't he? <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs> yeah i feel like i feel like they wheel out the same press release every year and mm. it's just sort of the same time of the year and it's like he might retire I'm like <laughs> guys come on we've, we've read this we've read the same chapter of the same book every year and i think you know like I think there's probably like, you know, like lots of elite athletes, like, you know, your ebb and flow in your career and, you know, like it's, it's very taxing. I mean, obviously I, I only know from Will, you know, living in this game for so long, it is so intense that it's mentally draining. It's physically draining. Guys are on the road for, you know, from it's like Feb to December, it's full on. Um, and, you know, there would certainly be times where Jamie probably has thought, I think I'm done. I, I just don't think I can give it 110%. And I think, I, you know, do I really need to do this for another year? I've, I've, I've achieved it all. Like, why, why should I? But then it's kind of like, well, mate, why not? You know, like, why, why not? Like, it's a Valentino Rossi. I mean, mate, Valentino yeah. Rossi is, what, 40? 40, 41. 41 okay. and still... Like he was, you know, nearly on the, the other day. I mean, madman, but like, but he's still competitive, <laughs> still loves it. Why not? Like people say why, but why not? 
Mm. I, I mean, look at, and as you said, look at Jamie. I mean, he is the best. He is an, an immortal. He has won everything there is to possibly win. I think he's the best ever, ever that we will ever see. But why not? You yeah. know, like, yeah, I long agree. time retired, long time retired. Mm. So. Um, Guys, who else has impressed you this year? We've, we've touched on Cam Waters and how well he's going. Um, I thought Chaz Mostert, just putting your pit lane reporter caps on for a moment, I thought Chaz, he's done a really solid job this year. And, and WAU look like they've made big steps up the leading uh, the pecking order as well. Yeah, I agree. We actually she had brekkie with, uh, with Chaz and his girlfriend, Ree, this morning. Um, we've probably both got a bit of a soft spot for Chazzy, um, just as a, as a maid as well. I certainly think... Um, he's, you know, what he's bringing to that team, particularly, you know, him and Adam together. I think mm. they're, you know, there's driver and engineer stuff. I think um, they come as a package. I don't think you could ever separate them to them two guys. They they need each other as much as as you know one needs the other. Um, I think he will probably, you know, in in his in Chaz's words, you know, like he wanted to be consistently quick not just have, you know, just bursts of speed. And I think that's what they are hoping to achieve this year. And I think that's certainly what they're showing at the moment. I'm really impressed with Nick Perkout this year. Um, I think, you know, we always talk about sort of the Brad Jones as being a bit of a, I don't like to say underachiever because I think they, they're a big team with lots of staff and, you know, they do a really good job, but Nick is, Nick is driving very well. He's showing consistent speed and him and Andrew Edwards are obviously, working really, really well together. And I think that he's, he's probably been one of my standouts so far this year. I think that um, he's, uh, he's certainly showing some, some very, very good speed this year. And I, I think you probably have said a few mm. times that you mm. um, have been very impressed with, you know, he's, he's certainly shown it to, the, to those bigger teams um, yeah. that, that they've, yeah, they've got some very solid speed. Mm. No, no, couldn't agree more. With um, Bathurst now on your radar, Will, um, is, do you think there'd be a chance that perhaps supercars might run something at the bend as a as a, a practice zero or something on either of the two weekends? Is there any talk about that, or would you just land at the mountain and uh, and jump I, straight in? I think so. Yeah, just chatting to a few people around the last couple of days. I mean, it's all very fluid at the moment, but I mean, I think the the availability of getting all co-drivers there, some down in Victoria, some in Queensland. I'm not sure it's possible. So I think if they can only get half the co-drivers there, I think it's probably a little bit unfair to run an extra session. So, uh, yeah, interesting whether they try and run an extra practice maybe at Bathurst. I think I've heard talk of that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's all just up for discussion at the moment. But certainly it's going to be the pressure on uh, pressure's going to be on the co-drivers um, to, to just to get on it and not make mistakes straight into the big one at Bathurst. And we've long talked about uh, Bathurst as a grand final and uh, there's a huge debate whether it should, shouldn't be or it's, it's rather relevant. But this year it's going to be. How do you guys feel about that? I, I think it's good. I actually do honestly think it's good. I think back in the day, I'm sure you know the last time that was the case. I mean, certainly different times back in yeah. the, the 90s maybe when it was the grand finale. Um, not saying it's something that should become the norm for our series, but embracing what 2020 is and the weirdness um you know i think we can we can push that and build it up as a you know as a as a big grand finish um to the season and i think the category's done a great job fitting in as many races as they have and um to go out at bathurst um it makes sense i think to be honest although there is going to be a big break and you know there will be certainly interesting ways on how they fill that and keep 
fans engaged in the in the bigger break than usual. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a, a fitting way to finish the season and give give the crews a, a well earned break after that. They'll certainly need it. Yeah, dust off the E series. Uh... Machine and uh, <laughs> Reed down to Bunnings again, and some new things in the background, and away you go. I did, I did hear that that could be on the card. Oh, yes, I think my eyes have just returned to normality. I think I, I, think I went through two screens. I think I got my fifth through two screens. <laughs> I did hear there's an possibly an E series on the cards, and the the drama with that is that all the simulators got clogged on either. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, Will and Ray, the, the Doric, the way Doric stepped up for you guys in that E series was amazing, and it it was like a real world sponsorship thing, which I suppose it is. But it was just amazing how that all just felt like life imitating art or art imitating life yeah. in this case when. Tommy and, and the team at Doric, who I know have been a great supporter for a long time, stepped up to the plate during that E-Series. Yeah, Tom's been great. And I, I won't lie, the second my drive ended, I turned manager, commercial manager. <laughs> videographer. Videographer. We were. Uh, we were, yeah, we were hustling. I was hustling hard. And uh, yeah, a lot of that was more a thank you to my personal sponsors. Um, you know, and they're sticking by me this year. And we had a great opportunity to have some fun and, and he was getting right behind the, it. He loved the, it. The funniest part about that, Richard, was us going down. Well, Will went down to Bunnings, buying that thing, putting re- tape on a board, mm-hmm. sticking stickers. I now have a damaged wall at home because we were <laughs> banging into the wall. And, and that shitty piece of whatever it was got more TV coverage than anything we've ever made. <laughs> Yeah, and it, like, it, that, that really was a 20 metre rule because if you yeah. saw that up close it was the worst <laughs> piece of sponsorship board you've ever seen in your life and oh. then every every week it was like pull stickers off, put stickers but on, on. Put stickers he off. laughed at me for doing it <laughs> no, I, I laughed at the terrible up close and te- you know, image that it was but served anyway it did serve its purpose and it that's did. a trick for young kids because all the sponsors were just absolutely blown away with how much TV coverage they got. We had Channel 9 and local news and all sorts of people yeah. in our house filming. And, um, yeah, anyway, all the sponsors were very, very pre- appreciative. So I was gutted to lose my major sponsor. <laughs> yes, no <laughs> doubt. But you made up for it really well. It yeah. No, it was one of the highlights. Aside from the, the involvement of the animals yeah. in the E-Series, that was definitely a highlight. Um, last question, and this, is, this will go to both of you. Um, during the week, both Scotty and Jamie have said that if it comes down to a championship decider at Mount Panorama, that they're going to think championship. Um, now, Cam, I'm looking, he's fifth in the points. He's quite a long way behind, so might not be in contention. So, Will, your second, last lap of the great race, McLaughlin and or Win Cup in front. Do you go for the win and try and win the great race? And Rihanna, you're in the Shell V Power pits or the Red Bull pits, and you've got to interview one of the teams on the receiving end. What happens, Will, first? I'll tell you, Cam keeps saying to me, Cam's like, Will, you're, you're qualifying. I'm just doing the lunchtime. You're I'm like, no, I've been hanging 15 years to do that nice little cushy in the middle and watch you bring it home for me. And uh, I don't know, I tell you, I, I, huge responsibility. It's actually going to be really weird driving someone else's car with their championship. And I, I don't take that lightly. Uh, the chances are Cam will be bringing it home. And uh, yeah, we know, I think Cam will, uh, he's, he's a guy I think I'd want in the car second on the last lap. <laughs> yeah, he's aggressive, winner. and 
Beardo's being pretty lenient at the moment. He's letting quite a few things slide. So uh, I think, yeah, I mean, I think for Cam in particular, um, you know, Bathurst, absolutely. Um, it'll be it'll be win or bust, I'd say, for us. <laughs> I don't think I don't. Well, there was that one year that it <laughs> there was that one year that it turned to shit. But you know, the, the likelihood of changing a podium result at Bathurst oh, yeah. for the last yeah. for the last race of the year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that will happen. Um, it's, you know. It's twenty twenty. Bargs has been generous never. to Jamie in two thousand sixteen. Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he said, "I that was the if there wasn't a safety car, he was thinking that was generous." He goes, "I was going to give him a drive through," yeah. and he goes, "I wish I kind of had now because <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. question." But uh, um, anyway, but, that's yeah. the way that went. It, but it's twenty twenty. Anyway, I've I've always prided myself on being Switzerland. Yes. Very neutral, uh, regardless of regardless yep. of the situations. I've always. I think I've always remained pretty uh, impartial to, you know, the situation regardless of what happens. I agree with that. Uh, it's 2020. Something mental is going to happen at Bathurst. It has to. It's 2020. It's been a crazy year. Uh, guys, we've kept you long enough. Um, you're still in town. So we'll go out and enjoy it. Um, thanks for jumping on. Really appreciate it. Great to see you both back in the game. Uh, enjoy the remainder of Townsville and then the Bend, and uh, hopefully we can see everyone at Mount Panorama in October at some point. Hopefully, Fantastic. fingers crossed. Thanks, thanks, thanks Rich. Thanks, Dale. Classic guests, Dale. Enjoyed that chat. Uh, good to have you still with us here on the grid, and we bring in our man of Queensland Raceway on the weekend of all places. Uh, Mark Walker joins the show. G'day, Mark. Crazy, Dale. Supercarts, Formula Vs. Uh, butcher's picnic of their own. So there are two butcher's picnics happening on the one day at either end of Queensland mm. and some Hyundai XLs practicing for next weekend. So if that is anything to go by, the Hyundai's, the curtain raiser, can you believe that? The hairdresser cup will be the curtain raiser to the supercars at a street circuit event. Unbelievable. You wouldn't read about it. That's pretty much peak 2020 right there, I reckon. Very peak 2020. Um, and we should say, there was the potential for you to go to Townsville, but that got shot down, apparently, at the start. Oh, it's just dangerous, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere near the fences there. They'd have to have a whole, <laughs> whole heap of uh, forklifts at the ready to go and sort that mess out. So, looking forward to it. They'll be uh, the preliminary for races on both days. So, mm. that's fairly remarkable, isn't it? Uh, what do we think of the weekend, gents? Interesting weekend. Wink up to the four, race one and two. Scotty with the best bounce back he's had in some time. Fascinating stuff. Championship sort of status quo, but a bit of a margin pulled out. But as um, Will and Rihanna touched on in the previous segment, just so freaking close between a whole group of cars at the top of the field at the moment. Yeah, I think the, the couple of things. First of all, I thought the, the, the fact that that event was on at all was just stunning, uh, albeit that there were no grandstands and a few not premium bridges and things. But to have the council set that circuit up during this was, was great. Uh, the racing was great. But the, the thing that I, I'm finding now is that we've got the, the distances are the same. They're working out tyre strategies. Uh, and I know that Barry Ryan's going to hate this. I would love to see the Sunday morning race with an inverted top 10. Cool. Be scary. Be scary. cool. Uh, it's, it's got a bit of a feel of that first Darwin race where Jamie had the win there. It was everything's looking up for Triple Eight. Obviously, coming into the weekend, Jamie owns that place. He had 10 wins going in, came out with 12. So it's sort of what we expected from the event. 
it's going to be interesting to see this week how DJR Team Penske bounced back because it was the same deal at uh, Darwin 1. They didn't have the weekend up there, but they came back the second weekend and absolutely cleaned up. They finally got that qualifying together by the third race for Sunday and they were able to get Scotty up there in the pole and he, he was genuinely pumped to score that pole because they'd had such a tough weekend with their qualifying. Obviously, raced okay, and uh, you know the races probably didn't work out exactly how they wanted, but uh, that last race, he had to work hard for it too. Cam Waters pushed him the whole way, and, and Waters actually looked really strong there in the weekend as well. So, obviously, Tickford have a bit of speed, and they could sp- spread that across their other three cars as well, and they'll be looking sharp. It's like we said after that first Darwin round. They now know what they've got to do. Mm. Often you get to the end of the weekend and you, oh, okay, now we know where we're at and what we've got to do. It'd be great if we came back tomorrow and here we are. We're back again this weekend and for another chop with the exact same setup, same soft tyre deal once again, same race distances. So they'll all have it sussed. There'll be no excuses and hopefully no first corner Barneys like we had in that first race on Saturday. Yeah, that was a big one. I did want to talk about the team's championship. Now, usually no one except the teams themselves cares about the team's championship, but that pit priority and getting pit exit first is absolutely critical. At the moment, 16 points between Triple Eight Race Engineering and DJR Team Penske at the top of the standings there. This is a championship that's going to be won by the second cars in both teams, Mm. isn't it? Because um, Shane Jack Gisbergen had an absolute shocker of a weekend. Now, yes, he was third in the second race, but 19th in race one, eighth, and that's a raw, legitimate pace eighth in the third race. And Fabian was even further back to field and couldn't get the thing anywhere near the top 10 in qualifying, let alone the races. So Scotty and Jamie at the front of the field punching on, the teammates have got to lift their game, don't they? And this has been a really weird season. We've touched on Fabian before, but the 97 yet to win, only five podiums so far this year. It's a very unshamed Van Gisbergen season for Shane Van Gisbergen at the moment, Mark. Yeah, it was something that was said in the telecast on the weekend that I thought was pretty telling, is that the team have elected to go with Win Cup's brake pad option for Shane Van Gisbergen. And it's such a personal preference. There's only a few options available out there for the drivers to choose from, and they've all got their absolute favourite. So it seems now that they're engineering this car around Jamie, which is sort of what you'd expect at DGR Team Penske. It's like fabs. Scotty's car works good. Why don't you run that? But here you got Van Giz and they're taking his brake pad option away from him. I know drivers in the past that have had that, they've come to a new team and you've got to adjust to their brake setup and all this sort of stuff. Obviously that team in the past have run two different setups and now Van Giz is running the option that he doesn't prefer. And subsequently he hasn't had a win this year, which is very surprising. So I find that all a little bit odd. I mean, it's not a, a massive deal. You wouldn't have thought it's just a, it's that initial bite when they absolutely smash the brakes at the end of a straight and how that feel comes back through their legs and through the seat of their pants. And it's something that's not really sitting well with Van Giz at the moment. So hopefully for his sake, he figures out Jamie's setup and I mean, obviously Jamie's setup working very, very well at the moment. So uh, yeah, as you said, that could be the telling factor in that team's championship moving forward because Fab's had an absolute Barry Crocker. He's fourth in the first race on Saturday and then was P nowhere with a bullet on Sunday. So he's got his work cut out for him. I think that team's championship, Richard, it was never better demonstrated than uh, Frosty at, in Darwin who led when he came into the pits. Um, of course, they're right at the other end of the pit lane and, and mm. rejoined in P5 or 6. 
And that was purely because of where they were in the pit line. It had nothing to do with his car speed, nothing to do with the stop, length of the stop. It was simply positioning the pit line. So that battle is on. Um, yeah, there's always an extra lap to be had in qualifying if you need it um, on most tracks from there. So uh, important. And it's um, it's interesting to see Tickford will probably, by by might, get those cars into the next lot. But uh, BGR and WAU are battling it out as well in that championship. So uh, yeah, it is an interesting one, isn't it, this year? It's uh, and, and you're right, it'll go right down to the wire. Ben Giz um, really has had a pretty erratic Darwin too, didn't he? I mean, he still can uh, haul the car around, but he wasn't actually on fire up there either. So uh, I'd expect uh, if he can get that car right, he's the, probably the one that's going to bounce back the hardest. I want to talk about BJR because every time they keep getting smashed, they bounce back in a superb way. And it was very much the same for that team after a pretty fraught race one. Bounced back really well. Nick Perkat, we, we've had him on the show a couple of times this year. He has been outstanding. Um, since Hidden Valley won, DNF 6-6-5th, 13th when he got punted by Chaz, 2nd, DNF involved in that crash, uh, blown engine, sorry, in Townsville, 5th and 4th. So only one finish outside the top 10, which was due to someone else beating him off the road, and it would have been a top 5. He is in great touch, and had it not been for those two DNFs, he'd be 3rd in the championship right now still for BJR. They just keep swinging that outfit and it, this year and everything that they've been through, I just keep coming back to how impressed I am with the way that team is operating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, the team's championship at the moment, uh, you mentioned before, you've got Red Bull Holden racing team, Shell V Power racing team on top. Uh, the first of the Tickfords, five and 44, then Penrite racing, then the second of the Tickfords, team 18, Walkinshaw and Trinity United. Then finally, Brad Jones, eight and 14. And they're back there in eighth. But the point spread between Tickford, the first Tickford team in third, and Brad Jones racing eight and 14 back in eighth is 224 points. Mm. So there's absolutely nothing in it. I mean, that's that's half a round uh, worth of points there for one of these outfits. So there's absolutely everything to play for. But yeah, you'd say it. Brad Jones Racing, expect them to be right up there. But in the team's championship, they're a bit nowhere at the moment because obviously uh, Todd's had his runabouts there. A whole heap of mechanical drums, even carried over to this weekend as well, which was a shame. Obviously, that Saturday where they both had engine dramas, obviously Toddy got uh, punted around a fair bit at that first corner, which really set him on the back foot. But, uh, you know, clean sheet of paper this weekend. They can all go and have another go. They can get out there with Nick's setup and, and see what they can make out of it. But just to underpin Perkett's performance, I mean, Hazelwood's performance in the last race on Sunday was outstanding as well. So a fourth and fifth in that third race. Um, you know, Toddy looked a bit at sea, I reckon, after the the big um, uh, billiard ball carve up in Darwin, didn't he really? That car took a, a long time to get back on track. And uh, I think getting a, fifth, a fourth and fifth on that Sunday race was outstanding. So, yeah, they're, they're a team that, that pulls an extraordinary amount out. They, and the, the work they must be doing behind the scenes is, is extraordinary. All three cars in the garage in the, uh, in the race on Saturday at, uh, in, in Towsle. So, um, boy, they're doing it tough. But, uh, yeah, good on Brad and the boys. They've obviously got it uh, really down. And I, I actually think Perkett is, could well be another big surprise this weekend if all things go his way. And they also had a couple of cars in the tin tops as well. So that was a pretty big weekend. They had six cars up there in total. So that was uh, an effort well done. The other thing worth pointing out, boys, 243 points covering Mostert in third in the championship down to Anton Di Pasquale on 929 in 11th. Uh, involved in that group, SVG, Waters, Percat, Reynolds, Winterbottom, Coulthard and Lee Holdsworth, all of whom who have had 
moments of form. So while there's a big gap of the two leaders out in front, everyone behind them is just lumped in this massive group. And as we saw on Sunday, these guys are qualifying within not, not tenths, like hundreds and thousands of a second of each other in qualifying. So it's one little breath of a moment. And that could be the difference in you shuffling your way up to third in the championship and bumping Mostert down or Chas Mostert having a strange tire deflation like he did on Sunday again and potentially losing a swagger points and you come into the weekend third, you leave it ninth. It's that competitive and that close in the midfield. So that's going to be a battle to watch over the next two rounds after this weekend in Townsville. And that leads us nicely into that. So we heard it in the news at the start. Everyone knows it by now. Two rounds at the Ben Motorsport Park and then the Bathurst 1000 to round out the year. Um, but Mark, interesting in the way it was unveiled. I think it's safe to say, and there's been a lot of comment about this since Sunday night, um, the way that the, the story was broken about the remaining critical rounds of the championship and the biggest race on the calendar, um, perhaps slightly not whelming about how it was uh, portrayed to the public. Mm, yeah, it's probably one of the biggest announcements of the year. And it was buried in the final two minutes of 15 hours worth of live TV on Sunday after everyone would have checked out. I mean, you were still watching, Richard. You were the first with the tweet out of everyone because everyone was half asleep, mm. ready to watch the soccer. Well, they probably weren't watching the soccer, no, were they? No, so no, no one was watching the soccer. No. We've done the stats there. That didn't go well for them. No. Uh, <laughs> oops. Uh, yeah, odd. Obviously, Supercars knew this was in the works. They've been negotiating it. They've been figuring it out. Even if it was signed Friday, as has been, as has been touted around the place, they had two days to figure out a plan of attack to get this as big a coverage as possible. It's the sort of thing that if you gave it to the Sunday papers, they would run it. It would be in all the Sunday papers. You could get your VNRs made during the day with some comment from all the the important people. You could get Sean Seymour on the phone out of Sydney. You can get uh, drivers to make a comment. You get the South Aussie drivers to say something about the two rounds coming up in South Australia. And that would get a new on the Sunday night news. Absolutely no dramas because it was big time news, but it was hidden there at two minutes to six on Sunday night on Fox sports 506. There wasn't a release to go out with it. There was nothing until 10 AM Monday morning. So it was just a matter of people having to go back and rewind their Foxtel to get some quotes and find out exactly what happened. So odd. I mean, I, I don't know what sort of assets they have in supercars to deal with churning out media releases and coming up with a plan for this sort of stuff, but it obviously got a bit too hard. Obviously there's the point of view that, Fox Sports tip all the money into the sport, so therefore they should get a run at news items, which oh, I guess that's fair enough. Uh, by the same token, this has happened before. There's been people made uh, co-driver announcements and that sort of thing, which is, is reasonable. You, but you back it up with the release to go out at the same time. So at least everyone has a bit of a chop at it. But it was hidden with a social media post that had a few emojis attached to it. Like It was bizarre that we were trying to hide some of the biggest stories of the year yeah I, I don't get it it's almost been overshadowed re realistically across all media by will davison's announcement that he's driving a cam motors yeah mm. that's probably got just as much traction if not more in the last couple of days yeah it's an odd one it, it made the um clearly the south australian press were up on it um and there was a 
comprehensive couple of pages in the advertiser, the Adelaide newspaper on Monday. So they were well ahead of the curve in terms of that, which would have come from the track. But yeah, my understanding is the deal was done Friday in terms of paperwork being signed. Certainly it would have been agreed a little bit earlier than that, but it was still Monday last week when we recorded the show Tuesday last week, it was, we have no idea. And at that point, my understanding is supercars didn't know either, but that's no excuse. There was definitely time for them to work out how to get this out and, and make it more effective than perhaps it could have been. And, and look, take or leave the bend announcement for mine. It's important, but we knew there would be races between now and Bathurst where they were. And, and this is me as the parochial of South Australia. It didn't really matter, but it, the Bathurst announcement for mine, it, it's the grand final. It's the biggest race of the year. It is by far and away the highest rated motorsport event in the country and it's in the top four most watched sporting events in Australia all year. And it's a date that people want to know whether they're racing fans or not. So that's the kind of thing that I would have liked personally. And with my PR hat on as well, to see given a much, much bigger push. Hey folks, Bathurst is on the 18th. It's the week before the AFL grand final. Massive October of sport, Mount Panorama 18th. Make sure you're watching Fox Sports 506 or Channel 10. Um, and I feel like we missed that big impactful punch in the face announcement yeah even if you just teased it during the sunday it's like post race we got some massive news mm. regarding the rest of the championship and people would hang around they you'd tune in for that but no one knew no one cared and tacking it on to the end of the telecast was weird the other thing to come out of this is that uh mark fogarty from auto action came out with an op-ed uh subsequent to this news on sunday night uh with his displeasure for the system of how it supercars went about announcing it which is reasonable enough uh i like folks he's he's a legend like he's done he's been the guy breaking news forever and i've got a lot of time for auto action uh i spent 13 years working for auto action so i've got a lot of time for them but uh the news the news cycle's changed hasn't it Mm. and you think five years ago you used to schedule your news under embargo till 6 a.m wednesday morning so much of it, like unless it was a major announcement like this that you could aim at a Sunday paper or the Sunday news or have some clear space somewhere else, you'd do that, but you'd always aim at it Wednesday morning. Now there's not the competition in print news like there used to be. It used to be auto action and motorsport news would come out at six o'clock Wednesday morning. That's when all the news would happen. Now with the internet, the news cycle just keeps churning on. So there's no, there's no sort of waiting for anyone. And yeah, it's interesting how that's all sort of panned out. Mm, I agree. Interesting. I've got nothing more to add to it, but I agree with you completely. Um, speaking of media though, um, we should give props to supercars media who are working under, and we're not talking about PR department. We're talking about the TV production who are working under pretty challenging situations with half the production back at Fox sports in Sydney, the other half on the road. And yet they still continue to innovate, don't they? Helicopter was back on the weekend, which was awesome. Bunch of new camera shots. It made the power rankings. They often make the power rankings and completely legitimately on effort. It's the only way you make the hot list in the power rankings on the racetalk.com. Really great product though, isn't it? And just every time you watch, there's something new and interesting that brings the coverage of the sport to a new level. 
And even one from an international perspective, people overseas marvel at how we use our in cars. Mm. Our, every car has multiple cameras. Like outside of Formula One, there isn't a category in the world that has that level of detail with all the cars covered. So it, we've got it so very good here. We've got such a good uh, production team and they just keep on churning out great content. So um, yeah, Townsville looked great. That, that camera shot on the inside of turn one kink there. Mm. That was unusual, wasn't it? It was completely yep. weird, but it worked. It was a really cool shot showing how it all sort of funneled down. Thankfully, there wasn't any tear-ups in that particular length of track like we have seen in the past. <laughs> they were just 200 metres down the road. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, another do over this weekend. We also got to see Roland Dane put uh, <laughs> on in a, uh, a tin top in, the, in his Jag and the Camaro. But, uh, yeah, uh, even the support races, I think we've commented on, were uh, really enjoyable, a, a very novel approach to things, and made very, very, very good TV viewing too. So, uh, congratulations. Townsville Tin Tops boys, how good were they? Uh, terrific. Uh, really good. Great mix of cars, a lot of fun. You thought at first, my God, this, is, this could be horrible, and it was absolutely fantastic. So, to Nathan Kaiser and the guys, uh, I know Paul Morris and the guys were also heavily involved in it. It just was great entertainment. There was plenty going on. The cars were great. They looked great. Uh, TV production helped that. But really good fun. Really good fun. The, the thing I loved, Mark, was that with the fullest of respect to Tony Quinn, who's a very good driver, if you had an absolute gun GT ace in the Aston, it would have disappeared up the yeah. road. <clears throat> but Tony was slow enough that the cup cars could keep up with him and put the pressure on, which created that race with he and Harry Jones having really good scraps for the lead when a cup car ordinarily would get blown apart by a fully blooded, unrestricted V12 GD3 car. So, and then the supercars in the mix as well with Joshy Fife in the BJR Super 3 car and Declan Fraser did a super job. Nathan Hearn in the TA2 car, just sideways everywhere. Um, I'm a big fan of cross-ply tyres. I think they should be mandatory on everything if it creates that kind of attitude on the cars. But no, well, well done to everyone. We should single that out. It was an um, outstanding job. Very nicely done. Yeah, it was good to see the TA2 Mustang and the Mark II Mustang yes. out there and track together because that's something nobody's ever seen before. So that was uh, a little bit different. Uh, good comparison. Is that a, a view to what Gen 3 might be? Is that the fact that they look like Mustangs? <laughs> <laughs> but, but they were both completely different takes on Mustangs, though. Mm. It's like that they look oh, like Mustangs. Yeah, well, obviously the supercar ones—they've got the roof wrong, but mm. uh, it kind of looks like a Mustang, except for the Ford badge on the front of one of them. There wasn't quite right. Oh, it, one uh, of them—that's underselling it. Now, this is Roger Penske, who legend goes walked into a deal, a new dealership that opened one of his many that opened. Le- legend has it he walked in and went to the bathroom and walked out and said, "No, those aren't the right tiles." And they had them all completely redone because the captain saw it. Now, surely, now Ryan's story, I know, is a fan of the power rankings. And we have influenced some change, gentlemen, <laughs> in the this last This is going to be the big change for this week. <laughs> if that doesn't wake up people to the fact that the Ford logo on Scott McLaughlin's car, the car that gets the most TV coverage of any supercar in the sport, was what? Three centimetres off the straight line for the pony on the, gr- yeah. on the grill? Well, who did that? And they're, they're sacked, surely. I well, I mean, the other thing, what? Where was Lex? What's Lex yeah. doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, you you know people, Richard. Come on, no, like, well, I do. pull some strings. And and I I gave the powers that be a heads up before the power rankings broke. This week. <laughs> they're going to get thrown under the bus. Well, yeah, basically saying that look, 
every single one of the people that replied to the power rankings has gone, not Lex Kelly, not being there. <laughs> so I gave them a heads up and said, look, you guys are going to get smashed. It's not personal, but it, this is factual. <laughs> people demand Lex Kelly. And I can tell you um, that high up members of the supercar administration in amongst sorting new dates for Bathurst and two rounds at the bend. Uh, I believe in deep negotiations with Lex Kelly's management uh, and that he will return to the screen at some point. I don't know if it'll be this weekend, but my understanding is that he will be back due to popular demand and the unyielding influence that the power rankings holds over the way motorsports run in this country. Richard, Rick Kelly gave it away when he was interviewed after the race when he said that, uh, you know, there was clearly there were sponsorship negotiations in place. Mm. Uh, there were contracts uh, in play for a number of corporations that wanted to get behind him. So clearly what's happening now is that uh, Lex is probably going to be able to command something that uh, they hadn't budgeted for. Yeah. And, you know, the problem is that this is going to get announced at the start of the telecast as opposed <laughs> to their big <laughs> yes. announcement that they stuffed up the back of it. <laughs> Bang on. Uh, anything else, boys, before we wrap up? Yeah, I, I think we've just got to send a, a, a shout-out to Daniel Ricciardo, who did an absolutely superb job at uh, Spa. Uh, he qualified brilliantly, uh, was only just pipped to, off the second row or, in, or third position in the grid, um, came back after he stopped, passed the cars he had to pass, gapped um, Albon beautifully, and really, um, after the two Mercs and Verstappen, he was the, he was the rest of the race, so... An awesome result for Ricardo on a track that you'd have to think that the Renault, you know, maybe not that been that all that good on, but uh, great result, really, really, really good. And he he was at the top of his game at Spa, so let's hope that continues. Uh, for mine, the thing that I'm keeping an eye on at the moment in the media, especially like here at the race talk and on the grid, we we do keep a bit of an eye on the media because we find it interesting. But uh, the thing that's playing out at the moment is the chats between Facebook and Google about uh, payments to media publishers here in Australia and how that's going to affect things down the track. Uh, the latest, well, I mean, the backstory is that for the longest time, print media and TV just had the market cornered for advertising dollars. But in recent times, these new fangled interrupters have come along in Facebook and Google and just changed the way that marketers spend their money because the results are so much different. With Facebook, I can target my ad spend directly at a person. Like, Dale, I know that you like books about car racing. I'm going to target my ad about books about car racing to Dale Rogers. It's not going to be wasted on anyone else. I'm going to market directly to you. It's an amazing tool that uh, these internet companies are doing. And it's taken all the money away from these traditional media outlets. Subsequently, they've gone to the government. The government gone, all right, well, these newfangled companies have to now pay the traditional media outlets for the use of their content, which is a funny way of sort of doing it because you've got, you go to Facebook to click on a link to go to their website, mm. which is a really weird sort of thing. And, and Facebook and Google are just going, no, how about we just don't publish any of your stuff anymore? Yeah. So they're going to stand up to it. They're not going to let the Australian government walk over them. It's a bit like the case of the plain packaging and the cigarettes here in Australia. The cigarette companies hated it. The, the Australian government got one up on them there because then, you know, that'll start the ball rolling around the world of every other government in the world trying to take money off the big business. So it'd be very interesting to see how it plays out. The call today was that Facebook just said, oh, well, we'll stop publishing news 
they don't care. Well, whatever. We'll we'll ditch Australia. It really doesn't matter to them. It's not a massive market. It's not like people are going to ditch Facebook just because that they're still everyone's still going to have a Facebook account, so they lose nothing. Well, except they use user experience because in the past, some of them would get their news from Facebook. True. Uh, so they'll wind up losing their Facebook will lose money, but who cares all, to them? All they so, need to do, Mark, is, is, is try and, and cream off some of the taxes they're not paying and this will all go away. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Like, and how is, how is any of this going to keep the local media afloat? Because they're really battling. Like, yeah, the media as a whole is absolutely burning at the moment. And, you know, the COVID-19 situation has been used as a bit of a mask to, to sack a lot of people because times have gotten really tough in that advertising land. It's, it's hard for them to pay all their staff. So if Facebook go through with this uh, ban on news in Australia, will they ban news.com, Fox Sports? Will they ban Speed Cafe, Motorsport.com? Mm. What will they wind up doing? Will they block the racetalk.com? Mm. Well, that's right. I was just going to say, Mark, the racetalk.com could become the major source of information on Facebook. Well, on we're, Facebook. We're, in, we're in it for the love. I mean, we're, we can't just donate 20% of our love to... <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're listed as sports and entertainment anyway, so we're not listed as news, so I don't think it matters. Uh, we're um, next to WWE. Yeah, yeah, correct. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, look, it's an interesting one, and, and it will have motorsport ramifications, so we'll continue to follow that. And certainly keep an eye on the racetalk.com for our analysis of the TV landscape. We chart the TV ratings of all motorsport in Australia. Uh, MotoGP has been the big winner this year for various reasons because it's 2020, I can only imagine. And it has been pretty compelling stuff. Thanks, boys. Hey, guys. Cheers, lads. That's On The Grid this week. Thanks for listening. Shebexter back at the helm next week. That's been On The Grid. We'll see you next time round. Bye-bye. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.